The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game, the show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined this week by two very cool co-hosts. Laura Nash. Nate Heininger. And this is a bit of a cheat week for us. Uh, We, uh, well, for a whole variety of reasons, we just didn't quite get it together to play a short game this week. Uh, But we didn't want to leave you with nothing this week, dear listener. We thought we are probably going to hop on a call and chit chat about the other things that have been going on with us gaming and some not gaming related uh over the last little while and why not record that and uh, and release it to you the listener as content <laughs> yeah you know we we talk about this show and sort of the purpose behind it and how you fit games into your life and just sometimes we cannot fit games into our life so this podcast is uh is true it's from our hearts. Uh, this is one of those weeks, you know, we, we do the classic thing uh, pretty regularly where we re- release an old episode, but I like this too. We'll just hop on and talk about some other non-game specific things. Yeah. Um, and so we uh, we thought we'd start by sort of talking, and we'll see where this goes, uh, about games that we have been playing that don't necessarily fit the short game format. Um so, you know, things that we might have played recently that we want to talk about a little bit, but that aren't either aren't short or that we weren't in, able to do and you know, have enough people get together and, and do a kind of a book club style about. Um, I don't know. Does anybody want to start? Uh, sure. I'll jump in. Go. So uh, I intend to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I played um, I haven't you know, had time to play a lot of games outside of the games for the show recently. Uh, again, it's part of why we're doing this, but uh, a few months ago I played entirely through a game uh, that I thought would maybe work for the show ended up being too long and not one that I could like kind of, you know, we could do our sort of wink into it's good for the show. It's like, no, this game was just long or longer. <laughs> Uh, I played it right when I went on paternity leave, right before I started playing Hollow Knight, which I've talked about, you know, endlessly on this show since starting to mm. play since I played through Hollow Knight. But anyway, played a game called Steam World Quest. Have any of you ever played any of the Steam World games? Yeah, no, so I I, I played Steam World Dig the first one on I think it was on the 3DS. That all that's ported to basically everything. Uh, it was pretty fun. Um, I. Uh, I didn't see that game as being something that was going to like start a new, and I don't think it actually started. They, there was a game before Steam World Dig, but like it doesn't really seem like the kind of world that like features a lot of world building and connected lore that would like <laughs> support a series that includes, I think, like five games or something like that. Is it steampunk or? I don't know. Yes, yeah, it's like wacky cartoon steampunk. Like there's. In the game I played, at least, there is a giant, like, robot frog, you know? But it, it's very... Like yeah, of course. Yeah, I think uh, it's got, like, a premise of it's like a it's like a far future steampunk world where uh, all the humans are dead and there are just these, like, steam-powered, rickety, claptrap robots all over the place. 
living, yeah, there's a lot of you know, human like lives. Um, there are, I don't know if they were humans or not, but there were other life forms in this game. So, so yeah, I, I had never played any steam world game. I really, had only, I'd seen the name. I didn't really know much about them, but, uh, it actually came up in our discord and somebody recommended to me specifically steam world quest, uh, pitched as a, a combination of, a sort of JRPG style game with deck building from mm. like, all so right, in. <laughs> yeah, I'm in, you got me. And, and also that it's not normal JRPG length, mm. uh, which is a huge barrier to me for JRPGs. I love the combat mechanics of JRPGs. I just never play them because they all take way too long. And I'm just not going to commit that amount of time. You know, one of my favorite games ever is Chrono Trigger. And that game is short for those style of games, but still, you know, 20 to 30 hours. Anyway, this game fits somewhere in that sort, same sort of time, uh, that time to completion. Uh, and the way it works is you have your party, uh, you know, you have three different three characters that you are going to enter into a combat with. They're on a little grid. And you're going to fight, you know, one to five other enemies. But instead of having your standard combat style where, like, you know, you have a, every every person gets to go one time or, like, you have a set number of actions or something like that, you are mm-hmm. dealt f- uh, a, a number of cards that represent actions that you can take. And you have uh, so many moves you can do per turn. So you might be dealt a hand of, like, Two punches from your knight character, a healing spell from your ma- your healer character, uh, a fireball from your mage character, and like a area effect for your mage character. But you can only play like maybe three of those cards this turn. You pick which three do you want? Do you want to just do the you know all the melee attacks? You want to do a heal and a spell or whatever? All you have in front of you is whatever cards you were dealt. And that is sort of the challenge of the game is you're building this deck. Uh, each character has its own set of cards that come into the, you know, that mm-hmm. they bring with them. And you pick what cards you want to be a part of your deck and you enter in combat and you kind of hope that you get the right cards in the right order. Classic deck building stuff. It was a really fun mechanic. I really enjoyed it. They do a lot of things to give you variety with it too. There's a whole crafting system that lets you choose what cards you're going to make and how you kind of want to gear your characters. And there's like five or six different characters that you can swap in and out of your party. So there's a huge range of abilities and cards and things like that. Uh, So it really scratched the itch of if you hear JRPG that uses deck building mechanics, it does that and it does it really, really well. Uh, I guess my question about it, though, like, so I, I, I've definitely I play more JRPGs than most of the folks on this show. I don't always finish them. I, I'm, I'm more sort of an aspirational JRPG player, and I pick <laughs> up like one or two or maybe three of them a year, and I usually only finish one a year. Um, yeah. And uh, I tend to be drawn to JRPGs mostly for story and sort of other sort of superficial or flashy reasons. Um, you know, I 
like the persona games and things like that because they've got good yeah. characters and so on and jrpgs tend to tend to do the sorts of stories that i'm sometimes I, like i'm drawn to those stories for for my sins um i the, the reason that i didn't play that game the 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 um the because I, I remember the conversation in the discord about it and i was intrigued and the 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 mechanics you were just talking about sound extremely up my alley but like I was a little hesitant to get into a like an RPG set in this world where this I I like I want to know did the story of this game like rise to the occasion for you because it seems like a kind of a goofy yeah. like I was like how can it tell a story I'll care about with with characters that are like rusty cartoon machines yeah uh, my answer to that Reagan is big no, oh, no. <laughs> it was. Uh, <laughs> That's so the game has its opportunities and uh you know one of them is and it's a big one is that the I honestly can't really even tell you much about the story. Um it it was a lot of it's something like your town has been destroyed and you have to go and save I really I only I played it like five <laughs> sounds months. like you loved it. <laughs> it's a lot of like um you know mario like oh the princess isn't here you know you're like you battle through an entire place and you get to the end and they're like oh i'm glad we made it here now we have to get to the next you know spot uh Mm -hmm. there's a lot of travel the characters were funny and fun um you know and they there was some interesting things that like individual characters went through and some subverting of norms but for the most part I mean, I think the fact that I can't really remember what the driving action of the story is, is probably pretty telling. Uh, So that was a big opportunity on it. I I never felt like I I, I don't think I ever once felt in the game like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen next. Mm -hmm. But I enjoyed the combat mechanic enough that I was like, I want to play to keep playing this the game of it you know the the mechanics of the it. arc of the combat like the, mm-hmm. the way the combat was progressing and moving forward was enough plot for you <laughs> that was yeah. fun yeah that said the other opportunity with this game is that there was nothing that truly compelled you to try out any of the other characters or even more difficult card combinations than your own desire to do so I had played mm. really far into this game with the starting three characters, and I never really felt like I needed to. The game is never so challenging or 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 like specked in a way where you're like, oh, I need to use this other character in order to beat this boss. You know, you're not going to the rock gym. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, and so that was it. I, I eventually because I I thought the system was so cool. I did start you know, mixing up and trying to level up and and build cards for different things. There's a whole item system too, you know, that was cool and worked. There was just nothing uh, mechanically that made me feel like I had to do that stuff. And when you are in a game like this, where you are, you know, it's JRPGs, then you're leveling up characters, you're specking, you're min maxing. If I don't have to go away from my like, supercharged party that i've created like it's gonna it's gonna be hard to actually do so yeah does that make sense yeah um so i enjoyed the game i i think i would recommend it if you're looking for a cool combat mechanism there's some really interesting stuff with how they handle the cards and combos you know and and 
uh, a lot of things that kept me going. And I'm usually pretty quick to like, you know, this game isn't for me and I'll just stop playing it. And I, I beat it, which is one of the longer games I've beaten the last like three years. So hmm. uh, now that might have been also because I was just starting uh, paternity leave and I was staying up to like three in the morning every night with a new baby. But even still, like yeah, that helps, <laughs> you know, I, I had the time for it, but I would have easily put it down if there was, you know, like I enjoyed Hollow Knight way more, which I played next, but I still beat it. So I don't know. It's not a like a heavy recommend, but I wanted to talk about it on this show because it is one of the longer games I've actually played end to end in a long time with that length. And I, I think there is a some people may like it. Um, it's probably like geared towards me. And so me saying like, yeah, it was fine. <laughs> I think probably a lot of people wouldn't and wouldn't really enjoy it. But uh, the mechanic sounds cool. Check it out. I really wish that some of the more like mainstream big Japanese JRPG developers would take another look at the kinds of combat mechanics that are like Japan has, you know, they, they love Dragon Quest and they just want to do Dragon Quest again. Right. And they've hmm. been doing Dragon Quest again, you know, with a hundred games a year for decades now. And like, I would really love to see more like, you know, good ass JRPGs with more experimental battle systems. And I think maybe you're starting to see that. Like you look at something like the, the remake of final fantasy seven and they completely ditched their old battle system in favor of a more sort of real time action combat system. Um, and that sounds like I didn't actually play that because I don't have a lot of, uh, nostalgia for that game. I never really played final fantasy seven. Uh, but like, like the idea that like, Oh, well, we're going to try a new battle system in a game that is still fundamentally a traditional JRPG. Very exciting to me. So I, Mm -hmm. I hope we see more of that. I would love to play more games like that. They're just, you know, give me enough mechanics to like carry me through that, you know, extremely long experience, uh, rather than, you know, uh, choose the five different combat attack. Like choose your most powerful attack again. Hit attack yeah. again. Well, hit them as hard what, as you can hit them and move on. <laughs> that's what I liked about uh, this game, and it's why deck building is such a obvious fit for this. Or, or you know, now after this game, it feels obvious, and also why you're seeing deck building just filter into every single game type that there is right now is because it Mm -hmm. adds that that controlled randomness to a Mm -hmm. to whatever game you want so in in a jrpg where you're normally like yeah i know that this guy you know has the most powerful punch Mm -hmm. this uh you know person has a group heal that does x amount and it's all about me just doing them in the right order. And they're always available to me. Uh, this is like, well, what if you don't know what what moves are going to be available to you till that turn? You, mm-hmm. you don't have the ability to, to plan two or three rounds in a row like you might normally with a JRPG. Uh, you just don't know what's going to happen. So it's way more... Uh, sticking with that round sticking with the moment and just trying to set yourself up for success by building the right deck and then just hoping that the you know 
right cards happen when you need them. Uh, and I like that. It adds, I think I really enjoy JRP, JRPGs, but they can get really stale, especially once you've min max so hard that you're like, it's, it is not good. It is not effective for me to do anything other than this sequence of attacks yeah. for like 99% of fights. Every once in a while to be a boss or whatever that has like a resistance that you're like, Oh no, now I need to do cold wave instead of fire wave or whatever, you know? Mm. Uh, and, and I really like it. So I'm hopeful. This are so many of the big JRPGs, like the big innovation of the last decade was auto battling. And it's like, that's yeah. It's like, it's, yeah. it's good, but like, you know, the next step would be why were we auto battling? Why was, yeah, why was why, our solution why, to our to our game design problem to remove the game design? Yeah, like, or the gameplay. Um, I don't know. Yeah. You know, and not to grouse, but you know, you get the idea. Like, I, I would love to see more of that. Um, yeah, I hope the next Persona has like a completely random ass battle system that. I, I mean, I, I, that's actually the, that'll be controversial. That would be actually yeah. that's that's the one one case where like I really do still enjoy their battle system, but it depends. Well, if you want to try out a unique battle system Later. in a game like this, go check out Steam World Quest. Uh, if you end up not liking it, well, you also Tough. had fun. you had you had plenty of warning. <laughs> <laughs> well, my gaming time that hasn't been short game gaming time lately um, has mostly been like, I I have a confession to make on this podcast. (laughs) I have a, I have a dark secret. um, And it's that like, I had been playing cyberpunk 2077. Um, (gasps) Gasp. I know. Well, okay. So the, the, the reason that I hadn't, that I could, I consider this a bit of a, like I, I I'm giving up a bit here. Uh, And that's that like, I, first of all, okay, backstory, I loved, 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 loved The Witcher 3. And yeah. you know, I, I really enjoyed The Witcher 2. I played it, like, back in 2013 or so uh, when, like, it was, it was you know, it had it, been out for a little while, but it was, like, it had a reputation as being this, like, you know, not super well-known but extremely good uh, PC game at the time. That was, I, I think, it wasn't even, like... I don't even remember if it was out on the Xbox at the time, but like it was like this well-regarded uh, Polish, slightly esoteric game that people were like, this is actually really good. You should check it out. And I got it for cheap on Steam and I absolutely loved it. And then, you know, I pre-ordered Witcher 3 like day one. I jumped into it. I played it at every day for a year. I did everything. I didn't fast travel. I did the whole thing where like I, I set like a goal for myself where like every time I was going to travel across the map, I did it on horseback. And every time it, an item or, you know, an object popped up on my map, I sidetracked to do it. I did every single side quest in that game. I basically 100%ed it. Um, I, I adored it. And so, of course, you know, I was very excited to play a new game by CD Projekt Red, um, despite the fact that the story leading up to Cyberpunk 2077 was really off-putting. You know, there's pretty much nothing that, like, gets my, like, that get that gets me mad more than transphobia. Um, it, for whatever reason, you know, there's lots of ills in the world uh, but like that one in particular just really feels like, like, you know, 
shitty, spiteful, you know, hurting people who are, you know, it just, it, I don't even need to go into it. Just like transphobia sucks. And yeah. the marketing for Cyberpunk 2077 uh, saw some really questionable decisions uh, about some like basically jokes, I think, uh, about trans people that were like pretty upfront in the marketing. And when called on it, CD Projekt Red at every level doubled down. And said, like, not a big deal. You know, we're we're actually fine here. Everything's everything's good. You know, no, we're not going to change or remove anything from our game because that would be censorship. And so that was very off-putting to me. And then there were a lot of other situations about around the game that made me also very uncomfortable. So like the the stories about their their work culture and crunch and uh and essentially like really uh not treating their employees well, uh, you know, and uh and a bunch of other things about the game that just like put me off. And then of course it launched with this massive story about essentially them like lying to or hiding details about their games, you know, progress from the media uh, and kind of, you know, and, 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 you know, and everyone else knows about the, the like bizarre situations around the launch of the game. So I was in a weird position where like, I have to play this game. Even with all of this stuff, The Witcher 3 was a game that I adored more than almost any other game I can think of. Um, and even with its faults, I thought to myself, if Cyberpunk 2077 has some of that magic, I need to play it. Um, and I also had, you know, I'd been making plans around the game. I bought a, a brand new gaming PC that I was excited to play it on. So where I came down to on it was, <sighs> I'm going to play the game. But I'm not going to talk about it on the podcast or tweet about it because I kind of <laughs> felt like that that would be giving it oxygen, right? Not only would that be like potentially wait, not that I'm like a big like I'm not a tastemaker or anything, but like uh, I, I did sort of feel that like that you know talking about it in you know in breathless tones, whether it was good or bad on the podcast or tweeting about it would be in some way like giving oxygen to the thing in a way that I didn't feel comfortable doing. So I was playing cyberpunk 2077 in secret, you know, and in shameful secret. Right. Um, And at first I was really liking the game and the more I've played it, I, you know, I I don't think like complaints about cyberpunk 2077 are going to hit anybody with a great deal of surprise but like the arc of me playing this game has been one of mostly slowly downhill right um and and it's it's there's it's there's a few things about it like I, I coming at it from somebody who really really loved um the witcher 3 it has a couple things that it does really well that or at least you know it does Almost not almost as well as The Witcher Three. The Witcher Three is really really good, but but it like it, that it, you you can see the design decisions coming together. Like they really clearly wanted to put serious writing thought into most of the side quests, and that's mm-hmm. really the thing that elevated The Witcher Three. But like other than that, um, and also okay, good, uh, very very good, honestly, voice acting performances, um, pretty decent writing throughout. Um, but you know what it just doesn't manage to do is like be a like a cyberpunk story. Um the the uh you know I'm not a I'm not a huge, huge cyberpunk fan, but like when you think back on like what is a good cyber what is a good piece of cyberpunk media, right? Like 
there's there's like two parts to it. Like as far as I'm concerned, there's like the aesthetic of cyberpunk, which is mostly about this like retro futurism from the 80s. People pulling like wires out of their head and sticking them into large boxes with like uh you know modem attachments on them and and you know committing cyber crimes from their assault rated vans and you know <laughs> flying cars so and cyberpunk giant- going to a club where like it like everyone has crazy hair everyone's you know, hair going like, to real, a rave really yeah 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 and everyone <laughs> um, is and super game- confident in themselves and this game manages to do the aesthetic okay but like the thing about that aesthetic is like that aesthetic works in film but like when you really immerse in it it just starts to feel really mundane like the the um the thing that makes cyberpunk as an aesthetic work is like an assault on the senses right like you know you watch uh blade runner and it's like Mm -hmm. constantly assaulting your senses with bright lights with like constant novelty you know every frame of that film has some new thing that you've never seen before uh, and every every bit of it makes you think like I want to know how that fits into this world. But when you have to live in that world for sixty hours or something like that, it loses all of that mystery. You know, I know exactly what that thing is. It's a tourist terminal. What does it do? Fast travel. Like I, I know exactly mm-hmm. what these things are. Right. It loses all of that mystery and. And it also can't constantly assault your senses the way that like a, you know, a film can because it's, you know, it's an immersive, it, it's basically a first person GTA clone is the way this game plays. So like it doesn't have those sort of film tricks. So the, the aesthetic of it worked a little bit at first, but that really, really tapered off. And then the other side, of course, is like, how does a cyberpunk story work? You know, you have to have a a, you know, a, um, a, like a central science fiction-y conceit that is about uh, the, you know, uh, well, it, it, what is a cyberpunk story kind of varies because like we're talking about everything that could have come out from like the 80s through the present. But it's this thing as a story, like it's sort of main story thread kind of worked for me but it's mostly it's mostly just this story of and i'm not spoiling anything here that isn't isn't pretty clear from marketing or the first few hours of the game the story is mostly about getting uh a chip in your head that contains a sort of a personality imprint from a famous uh dead terrorist slash rock and roller from a sort of previous era of this cyberpunk world um and he has one sort of vision of like what this world should be being about like fighting the corporations. Right. And you have this much more sort of like, I just live here and try to get by kind of feel. Um, But it's kind of a story about like, you're trying very hard to figure out how to get this chip out of your head before it kills you. Um, That's an okay lead in for a story, but it's mo it really doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't stir me in a, in a way that like good science fiction stories do. It's mostly just a story that is going to be, it's there to, in, in a very GTA kind of way, string you from one job to the next, you know, you're, you're going to find a new, uh, you know, fixer or, uh, or, you know, a client who wants something from you before they're willing to give you the piece of information that leads you on to the next clue about how to get this chip out of your head. And the Witcher 
I, I, I assume there was like that structure was sort of there in the Witcher, but it didn't feel like it. The Witcher felt like an epic grand fantasy story, uh, full of these incredibly vibrant characters. And this just, it doesn't feel even like the thing that I think it's trying to be. Yeah. Have, so. I shared with you, um, my rant about cyberpunk as a genre. No, I don't think you have. Please do. Um, I think that cyberpunk is based on a out-of-date version of technology. Mm. And although many of the concepts have come true, I believe that, like, the way that we all accept privacy policies blindly and the way we all, like, the way ethics and AI and ethics and search and all that kind of stuff is eroded is not the future people thought. Like, people thought the corporations have to take our privacy away and we just give it away. So I think a lot of the stuff in cyberpunk ends up being neon and 1980s mm-hmm. rather than actually futuristic. So I, I think that cyberpunk is as dated as like oh, Jetsons. 100%. Um, and the problem is everyone who creates in this genre thinks they're being futuristic. Mm-hmm. And no one thinks, like, they all think they're, like, doing a timely story. <laughs> and that is my rant about cyberpunk. It's like, you are not being timely because none of the stuff you're doing is actually the problems that we're going to have in 20 years. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm like that when I said I don't think it's good science fiction, that's basically what I'm getting at is like good science fiction is like there to uh you know to shed a light on uh like on you know aspects of the present, right? Um I will give him some credit in that, like, I think they understood that problem that you're talking about, Laura, in that this game Mm -hmm. is set in an alternate timeline that diverges in the 80s. And the actual year, uh, I think it is 2077, but like, it's not, it's not. Like it'd be pretty weird if it was not 2077, right? <laughs> yeah. But like it, it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel Actually like a far set in 2075. Of our a real baller move if it wasn't. Yeah, it it feels more like because uh, like the it's based on a um, on a series of like uh, you know rule book like a source books for like a, a you know a tabletop role playing game that was like cyberpunk. 2020 or something like that like and um and you know the guy who's in your head who's been long dead he's from an era that's like more close to us than 2077 um in terms of years but he's basically Mm -hmm. like in a in a timeline from a timeline that diverged in the 80s and there's like there's a soviet union for example um so it it does have that sort of like they know that the the future that you imagine when you think cyberpunk can't be our future anymore because of the completely like complete there's like total reliance on things like uh you know computers being kind of large actually and touch screens for example aren't really a thing and uh you know like yeah we have brain computer interfaces but it still has this sort of like but there's still mice cruft to it right <laughs> um but it's yeah it yeah well anyway the I, I wanted to talk about that a little bit and also say that like I have I, I I found myself really still wanting a big open world big budget uh thing 
you know, genre thing. And I, I realized, like, I think the only thing that I could really go to was I, I, I decided to give Red Dead Redemption 2 a try, uh, which obviously I like I've got this, you know, exciting, beefy gaming PC and I'm going back and playing a game that's like already years old now and I could have played on my PS4 just as well. Um, but it's uh, it's actually scratching the itch that I had that I thought, you know, what I thought I wanted much better than Cyberpunk has been. Um, you know, and because it's. It is a weird game. It's got the sort of GTA like, uh, you know, it it wants to it wants to layer on a lot of like um, mostly useless systems. There's there's a there's like a horse husbandry system with like you can feed your horse, you can brush your horse, you can buy and sell and trade horses. You you know you have to manage your horse's health and stamina separately and. Uh, you know, all of these things. And there's a crafting system. There's a system for managing your gang. There's a system for managing your hair and mustache. There's a system for, you know, hunting and cooking various different types of animals. And it's all of this stuff that if you really want to just totally sink into this world, like if you wanted to RP a mountain man who never speaks to anyone, you'd still have plenty of things to do out in the wilderness if you wanted to. Um, but like, that's not exactly what I was going to this game for. I really just sort of wanted to be immersed in a very genre heavy story with like at least semi decent writing and lots of little quests to do. And this checks that box incredibly well. It's no Witcher three, but like, I, I guess maybe I'm just also much more interested in fantasy and Western stories than I am in cyberpunk stories. So I don't know. I, I, that's where I'm at right now with the long games. I'm, I'm, you know, dipping into Red Dead 2 every now and then to uh, do some bounty hunting or ride my horse endlessly from one place to another. I've never played that game, but Molly has has not completed it, but I've watched her play it a lot. And uh, it is a very pretty and fun game to watch, too. So, uh Reagan streamed some the other night, and I watched his horse's butt walk quite a long way, and it was very pretty. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's amazing how committed the game is to making you ride long distances through the wilderness. Like, you don't unlock the fast travel stuff for quite a while. And even then, it's... It, it it seems kind of involved. The game is really designed for you to spend a long time riding your horse, doing not much else other than managing your horse. And I kind of like that. The GTA games are often pretty similar. They're like, this whole game is getting in cars and you driving drive them. Car. <laughs> so go get in a car and drive it to where you want to go. The, the thing yeah. that I was most concerned about was like, I, I tried with GTA five, you know, I liked the GTA games back in the PS two era, but like, uh, and even, uh, GTA four, but I tried with GTA five and just like the level of its humor, like was an immediate turnoff for me. And like, I, I've just, I, you know, I find very much grown out of GTA as, you know, in terms of it's like it's whole vibe, you know, I'm just super over it. And I was really worried that red dead would have like that, but with a funky hat on, um, but it's not really like it's, it, it, I'm sure that there's still stuff in there that is that kind of humor, but it, it isn't as in my face as it is with GTA where you're constantly like seeing ads on billboards and on the radio for things like, I don't know, 
dick butts. I, I, it's <laughs> nice, nice improv. Uh, yeah. yeah, I, I haven't, I haven't played GTA Five since it came out in what 2013 or whatever. Jesus Christ, uh, you're old. I, I was gonna say, I really, I loved that game when it came out. Not for the humor. I just the those games are so much fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get that. I, too, I don't. But yeah. I don't know if there was if there was like a non GTA game that came out with that same humor. I'd also probably be like, you know, this is trash, and I can't even can't spend more than five minutes in the world. Uh, I I think it's the I think it's GTA Five that has probably my favorite piece of video game writing about it. Uh, Tom Bazell. Um, from the guardian has a piece that's basically like I was addicted to cocaine and Grand theft auto simultaneously. And I was like, I need to quit cold Turkey. So I like sold my Xbox moved to a foreign country where I didn't know a dealer. And he's like a week later, I had found a dealer, gotten Coke and was playing GTA again. Oh, and he's like, <laughs> and they're like, the thing is like, he's like, you would just get like, and, and it was, it's, exquisite writing but it was basically like i was i wanted to keep playing the game so like it was like one addiction fueled the other and it was just like it's the most beautiful uh writing about someone just destroying his life um i mean i've really had the same experience with red dead and sarsaparilla so oh yeah there there was i had a uh whenever gta whenever gta do drugs kids (laughs) drink sarsaparilla uh when i was I guess it would have been middle school whenever GTA three came out, you know, the big like revolution to that series, right. Mm -hmm. When it went 3d, that game was so mind boggling to me. And I, but I didn't have the system to play it, but someone who lived in my neighborhood did. Oh yeah. And I didn't really care for them (laughs) as a friend. But all I wanted to do was play that game. That, so yeah. I would hang out with them. So I didn't do cocaine and play GTA. Which, again, did, do not endorse. I, well, you know, you you can make your own decisions. But I think uh, I did close, which was hang out with someone that I didn't want to in order GTA to play GTA. GTA will make GTA. you do that thing. Look, so, I totally yeah. understand that. And it's amazing. Like, I think there's definitely going to be people listening to this who weren't sort of playing games at that time. It's it's unbelievable thinking back about like what a sea change GTA 3 was at yeah. the time. And and yeah. I, had, I had basically the same experience. Like when that game was out, literally all I wanted to do was play GTA. And if I couldn't, watch someone else play GTA. And it wasn't a yeah. multiplayer game, but it didn't matter because... Huge. It's a party game. Yeah, it's a party game. People would crowd around the screen yeah. in order to watch people play GTA because you'd just go out in the in the city and find some weird thing to do, like maybe jump a thing off of a ramp or like you know put in a cheat code and summon a helicopter. And like that, every time you figured out something like that to do, it became its own game, and you'd pass the controller around, and people would just give it a try. That game was more of a party game than any Mario Party at the time. Like it was yeah. incredible. And then each, yeah. then each of the sequels just got better and better. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vice City, San Andreas, great games. Oh yeah, 
at one of those games, I think someone invited me over to like watch play, which I know sounds stupid as hell, but like that was everyone was coming over to watch. And I, I remember whatever. There's thing. an entire industry now about people watching other people play video games. Yeah, yeah, so. I'm totally but, but thinking about that. It's like it, yeah. it was proto Twitch because it was like it was a game designed for like other people to watch you play it, pretty much. Yeah, I, someone was trying to set me up with someone else watching the game, and I was completely clueless because I was like, wait a second, like. Wait, if you go over here, like, this is the route you should be taking. I was too busy. I, I was too into the game to recognize. It's how most of high school went. Um, uh, yeah. So you are watching, you're playing with a horsey instead. Yep, yep. Riding a horse. Which, you know, in a way, I feel like I'm I'm back to The Witcher 3 a little bit. You know, The Witcher 3, a big part of my experience with that, because I kind of swore off fast travel with that game, was long distance horsey rides. And yeah. uh, that's what <laughs> I'm getting pretty. with this too. Yeah. Long distance horsey rides. I even named my uh, Red Dead Horse Roach. Hmm. Laura, Laura, what about you? <laughs> Bad transition, but here we are. Lull in the conversation. Uh, Laura, Laura, what have, you, on. Uh, what have you got for us? <laughs> so I just got um, a copy of Super Mario 3D All-Stars, yeah. which is the, uh, you know, limited time edition. I don't even know what to call it, but the little Switch bundle that's uh, uh, Mario 3D and it's Sunshine and Galaxy. I haven't played any of them <laughs> because um, I had it in 64 only by like the loosest definition of have. Mm. Uh, my brother had one and then he failed too many classes in college and my parents drove up to his college and took his N64 away. Um, <laughs> and uh, he only had, uh, he had uh, Mario Kart and he had Goldeneye. And then my parents put that in the garage apartment, and which he didn't have a key for. And so they had the key. We had to ask for a key whenever we wanted to play. And the oh. trick was we also weren't allowed to run the air conditioner. Oh. Because it was too... Uh, I could only run the air conditioner if I was practicing for my voice lessons. I could not run the air conditioner if I was... Um, playing video games and they knew because they could look at the bill because the air conditioner was extremely expensive for the art department. <laughs> so it was like, how long will I play GoldenEye or Mario Kart with no air conditioning in Texas when it's 90 degrees outside? Like that's how much I had an N64, which is gives you the context of why I have not played any of these Mario 3D games. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> it's fair, right? Um but Man, I, I think if I was in that same situation, you would have just found a dead Nate Heininger at some point. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> like for sure, just just you passed out. His leathery the- hand wrapped around <laughs> the N64 controller, desiccated. Yeah. There's no way. There's no way. Well, like any that. day, it wasn't hot. Like we would go and play N64 all day long. But yeah. like, it was um. It, it was an effective control to keep their uh, straight-A student uh, having straight A's and not failing <laughs> yeah, because yeah. they couldn't stop playing. Um, but anyway, I've I've playing a little bit of all three games now because I was trying to decide which one. I mean, 
like academic self says I should play them in order oh, and like yeah. <laughs> see the evolution of 3D. But like, let's be real, I'm not going to play all three to completion now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so played a bit of Mario. Like I think my current strategy is going to be I'm going to be like playing through Sunshine, playing bits of 64, and when I get sick of Sunshine, I'll move on to Galaxy. I think that's my game plan. Uh, because if you're unfamiliar with the series, like the first one is the oldest and it's very much like 2D platformer levels in 3D. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the second one, Sunshine, it seems to be the whole thing is like you've got a jetpack and you are cleaning up graffiti and you're you're spraying water everywhere. <laughs> that seems to be the whole thing. <laughs> I will find out more. It, it's cute, though. Like, I really like Sunshine. It, it feels a little bit like Odyssey-ish. In that, like, everybody you meet is kind of weird and they're blaming you for problems that you didn't cause. Um, very Mario. And people say that, like, the that Sunshine is sort of the end of the line of that style of Mario games and it didn't come back until Odyssey. So, like, that's mm-hmm. that, like, approach to that uh, started with, with um, Super Mario 64 that, like, it's about it's like kind of sort of open world where there's a lot of potential objectives scattered around Absolutely. a large map. multiple things to do everywhere you go yeah yeah and i i i like that approach but i think actually i'm more of a stand for the more linear mario levels like i give me a course one 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 two one three you know with a like a direct line through them and make those optional objectives be like little discoveries of like new entrances and exits of the level or or like secrets to unlock along the way that's the style that i prefer uh, but like yeah anyway give it give me all of it yeah, <laughs> give me all of it well love the, it all. to me the the only thing i've i'm uh the camera control this is a you know, new gripe from someone who didn't play the game. But I'm like, oh, the camera control gets so much better as you progress through the games. Like, just the, the auto camera is... In, in in Sunshine, they're even like, hey, like, we'll point the camera where you need it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as opposed to the last game where we said that and lied. <laughs> <laughs> I, there's things about the camera control and, like, yeah, I, no, no question, you're absolutely right. But, like, if you look, remember the, like, N64 controller had, like, the C buttons and those C buttons, you know, C for camera, because like they were, those were the buttons you used to control the camera Mm -hmm. and it was not a stick. They hadn't figured out that analog was good for camera controls yet. So it's like, okay, hit the left button to nudge the camera, like a quarter circle to the left, you know, that's, I'm, you know, that sucks. (laughs) It does suck, but it's cute. The packaging for it, like it's super cute because when you, you log in, they all have the the years and the summary of the games, oh, nice. like you're in a museum. And then you can go uh, li- put it in music mode and just listen to the soundtracks. And you can mix all three together or listen to the albums. And um, I think the most charming thing about it is you can hit the little uh, minus sign and bring up like full sets of all the controls because, mm. of course, they've been mapped. And so that you might not rem- like really know exactly where the mapping goes. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's really well done. Um, I got it for on sale, um, and I never played any of them, so your mileage may vary. But like, this will be a great little thing to pop in the switch and like talk about. I have, you know, thirty minutes, and I don't need to play the uh, next uh, short game. I will be playing a. I have my pick. Yeah, I can go. You know, to any of these universes. Those games have obviously aged 
differently, but I love all of them. Like really any, but the 3d Mario's I've enjoyed all of them, you know, for different to different degrees and for different reasons, but I'm excited for you to play galaxy. I loved that, that game. That playing an hour of each sampler pack start when the orchestral soundtracks oh. played on Galaxy, oh. it was so like good. this one's the modern one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Galaxy is yeah. so oh, gorgeous, like real music. Yeah, no, that game is. I think that it, that might be the first home console Mario game I ever actually owned because, like, I've talked about this on this show before i didn't have any nintendo systems apart from game boys until Mm -hmm. the wii and so yeah i think Mm. i think mario galaxy is the first actual like mainline console mario game that i ever actually really played and i absolutely adored it um it's 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 a good one you've got a good game and and in mario galaxy 2 is even better and it's a yeah that's what i was gonna say that they did not great add that to the collection but like i'll bet you anything yeah that, like, it'll come next year like there. you know when yeah. they're, they're shoving this thing in the in the like nintendo vault and like next year they're gonna come out with like here's the same package again but now it has galaxy 2 in it too or something like that and people will buy it Probably. again for 60 dollars. <laughs> yeah yeah i got mine for 35 so i was like there Haha. you go yeah that's uh, i've been playing odyssey again lately oh, so good. uh it's been a good one to play with our three and a half year old who she loves watching it and trying to play. We're getting there. Uh, but I never got to the 500 moons, which mm. is sort of the like next objective ac- after you beat the game. Uh, so past the moon. Yeah. Yeah. And they do something really, really smart, uh, which is after you beat the game, when you go back to the worlds, there are these moon blocks that you can choose to activate or not. And if you do, mm-hmm. it shows you on the map where every single moon is. Oh, that's good. Oh. Uh, now, now you have to still, you know, most of them are like little baby puzzles. Although every once in a while, it's just like, oh shit, there was a moon just right there and I just didn't see it, you know. But yeah, it, it's not There's as one sim- on this roof, you know. Yeah, it's not as simple as just like run around a place and collect all the moons. You still have to figure it out. But it does because you have like nothing incentivizing you to play the game anymore besides like the desire to just find more moons. It it rem- makes it way less. Uh, it makes it way more casual. You're like, oh, I pull up this this map. I see there are three moons over in this area. I'm going to go find those three moons. I don't have to like I, – I, it's been a while since I've played. I don't remember where I've been. I don't remember what moons I found. So this lets me like tar- play in a very targeted way, which is really, really nice. It's uh, I would not have thought that that would be as successful as it is. I would have been like, no, don't tell me where all the moons are. But it's still just obscured enough because it's just a little X on the map. It's like there's a mm-hmm. moon here in the Nothing area. Else. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. good. That's uh, very good. Because yeah, good. being able to like think like okay, uh, look like I, like you could look up a list of all the moons, which I would probably have to do at that point. But then like who knows which one you've already got? So. I that's what, and they all have silly yeah. little names, and like I have no idea which ones I've gotten. So it's really smart, and it's made the game fu- like really fun to go back and be like. Oh, how did I miss these moons? Or like, what are the you know? And solving these little moon puzzles. Uh, so yeah, it's been fun. I have been jonesing to play Odyssey, not just because I've bought these 3D ones and it makes me like want to keep playing 
just Mario games all the time, but also because uh, Ring Fit has a music mode they added six, I don't know, six months ago, three months ago. I don't remember. But it, it basically there's like, it's like a DDR with your Pilates ring where you're like squeezing or pulling the ring and you're shooting little things and squatting. It, it's basically like a faux workout dance mode, but 99% of the tracks are just like Breath of the Wild medley. <laughs> Super Mario Odyssey medley, nice. or like you can dance to like the Odyssey song they do Aww. at the in Tokyo in the city. Oh, it's so good! Like you feel very like you're just squeezing and moving your Pilates ring. But I was like, I will do. I want to get like super super plus plus score on Mario Odyssey remix on hardest. <laughs> like <laughs> I didn't know that was the thing I wanted yeah. to do, but I definitely do. Um, so just listening to that soundtrack and like dancing around with it um when i you know for various reasons didn't quite get like a full length workout in uh just makes me want to play the game (laughs) well yeah nate you mentioned um playing with your kid and i actually just bought a new mario game myself and it's for exactly that reason um you know i i've uh wednesday my kid is starting to be old enough to be interested in video games but like i actually don't play a lot of games in front of her um, because of the way our timeline tends to work out you know like i i play mostly video games after she goes to bed um Mm. but i uh i thought to myself like i would like to maybe see if she'd like to you know join me in some games and uh the re-release or switch port of super mario 3d world from the wii u just came out or not just came out it's been out a little while now but like I was thinking to myself, like, that that has two things going for it. One is that it's designed for multiplayer, but, like, that extra player really doesn't have to be any good. So you can, like, pick them up and move them around yourself if you need to. Um, mm. Or they can die a zillion times, and it's fine. As long as one of you makes it to the end of the level, you both win. Um, and so, like, she could just hold a controller, and I think that'll, be, I think that'll work out. And then the other aspect is Cat Mario. Uh, my yeah. cat my, Mario. my yeah. child is so into cats it's unbelievable and so i think the idea that there's a game where you can turn that little man into a cat or maybe even princess into a cat like i think that's gonna blow her mind so i'm i'm gonna report back once i have some time to to play that with her you know what else you should do what get a cat <laughs> No, that child would kill the cat with kindness. That no. child would love the cat to death. No, I, do not I, get a cat. I would kill the cat. I'm very allergic to cats. Um, it's, uh, it's the tragedy of our life. I'm I'm allergic, Excuses. and so we just can't really get a cat. Um, I'm, I've still thought about it. You know, there's some breeds that are apparently more hypoallergenic than others. And when I was a kid, I had a cat. Uh, and I think due to long exposure, I didn't have major issues with that cat. Only with other people's cats. So. Maybe someday. I don't want to completely uh, rule it out, but I don't have room in my life for a cat right now. <laughs> no matter how much my daughter loves cats, cats are just sort of like these fictional characters that she likes right now in her world. She's only ever seen real cats a couple of times. And so she just likes things that are shaped like cats. 3D Mario is a great idea, or 3D Mario World is a great idea, and I yeah. need to get it as well. I, I played it, you know, when it when it came out, but I've been wanting to go back to it. And the Bowser's Fury mm-hmm. uh, 
extra seems pretty cool. Yeah, that seems neat. Yeah, the other thing I've been playing off and on since I got it uh, fairly recently is uh, Luigi's Mansion. So I, nice. I guess uh, Nintendo has my wallet, um, but I've been like, I, I guess I just scour like when they go on sale on eBay. I'm like, bam, yeah. <laughs> like, like like five year old Mario games <laughs> seems to be what I get to play. Um, no surprise to anyone that that is a super goofy good time, but uh, it makes you feel um, like a genius sometimes because there's little hard puzzles, but it's also very easy because it is for children. It's so. <laughs> <laughs> the crutch of every Mario game. You know, I picked that one up with the same idea in mind. I was like, I wonder if Wednesday will like watching me play through Luigi's Mansion. And she had absolutely no interest in it at all. I think just not not colorful and dynamic enough, you know? I'm, I have higher mm-hmm. hopes for uh, uh, 3D World. Too spooky for her. Maybe, maybe when she's older and all the uh, genetic love of the haunted mansion seeps into her veins <laughs> yeah. i think it was more uh, more like a high hope that that she would like that and we'll see someday maybe well this was fun thank you guys i had, I had a lot of fun talking about the things that we've been playing when we're not playing short games uh and you know that's the kind of thing we talk about on our discord by the way so if uh if you listener would like to chat with us about games short or long uh you can find us on the internet at www.thepay.com the patreon.net no <laughs> www.theshortgame.net where you'll find our contact form a link to our patreon all of our patrons at even just a dollar a month uh get access to our discord which is where we chat about the things we're playing uh plan the show all of those sorts of things uh and uh you can also uh find our show on twitter at underscore short game uh, and uh, you can find me on Twitter also at Reagan K. That's R A Y G A N K. Uh, Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J Nash. And Nate, where can people find you? On Twitter at Nate STL. And listener, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Short Game. <laughs>